You're listening to Lone Star Community Radio on 104.5 KCZWLP Conroe and 106.1 KZCCLP Conroe and worldwide on IRLoneStar.com. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to this week's edition of the Weekly Business Hour. I'm Rick Schisler. I'm your host. I'm also a Silver Fox advisor and the founder of OneBestConsult.com. Glad you've taken time to join us today especially if you're a small business owner or manager, because that's really what we talk about on this show is small business. We offer you education, ideas, and we try to give you some tips that you can use even today to improve the success of your business. One of the ways we do that is we bring in experts, and today we have a great conversation with Mr. Hank Moore. Hank's been on the show a number of times. He's written a number of books. He's a well-renowned speaker on business topics, uh, future topics, all kinds of information, and got a wonderful, wonderful background and career. But Hank will be joining us in a little bit. But before we move on, I want to talk about something very briefly. I like to at the beginning of the show, and that's supply chain management. Now, in our conversation with Hank, we're going to talk a lot about it because he's just releasing a book, uh, part four of his business series, and he talks about supply chain management. But I think what's getting overlooked for us as small business people is that that is something, a topic that we need to be interested in, that we need to take a look at. We may not have the corporate structure, we may not have the teams or an individual assigned to managing our supply chain, but we as owners, probably one of the many, many hats we wear is making sure that we have the products, the services that we need to do what we do in our business. And to me, that's supply chain management in its simplest form. There's several things I think you as a business person can do right from your own office. First of all, you need to check and recheck your inventory. Make sure you have a system that tracks your inventory, whether it's raw materials, finished products, whatever it is that you use in the business. It may simply be parts that go on your service trucks. Make sure you've got the adequate inventory to serve the business you have. The second thing is, relates to the first, adjust your revenue. Always look at your revenue. Revenue figures are hard to calculate these days, and it is extremely hard, in my opinion, or challenging, depending on how you want to look at it, to project what your revenue. So on a monthly basis, take a few minutes, take a hard look at where you think that revenue is going to be, and thus what you need in your supply. And then finally, and obviously most important all the time, build a solid relationship with your vendors. If you got any questions during the show, you got some ideas, and you want to share them with us, email. I'm Rick, R-I-C-K, at IRLoneStar.com. So without further delay, let me formally introduce Mr. Hank Moore, his new book, The Big Picture of Business, Book 4, The Value You Deserve. We're going to have a conversation about some of the topics in the book, so listen, and I think you will learn a lot that can make a difference in your business. Well, ladies and gentlemen, as promised, you got a real treat to, for you today. Mr. Hank Moore is back with us today. Uh, as you may know, Hank is just a prolific author, uh, speaker, has done so much for business, not only in, in our local area, but throughout this country, in fact, throughout the world. Uh, and in nonprofit area, which as you know, you listen to the show, I'm a big proponent of. Hank is one of the biggest encouragers and promoters of nonprofit business uh, that's out there. Hank, Thanks for joining us today. Always a pleasure. Well, you know, you, you just released your, your latest book. Uh, it just, you know, the big picture of business, uh, book four, The Value You Deserve. A wonderful book, very topical, talks about COVID, the impact of business. Uh, but today I'd like to especially talk about supply chain management. Uh, as you and I have discussed, it's an area that's sort of overlooked and not discussed much. Um, share with us from your perspective and what you've learned of what the biggest misconceptions are about supply chain management. A lot of people are hearing the term for the first time, and it's not that old a term, by the way. It was originally invented in 1982, and from business uh, strategy, that's a recent, but time uh, supply chain management as a management uh, uh, 
technique and as a department and corporations didn't come along until the 1990s. So we're talking about something that's still being learned about, still being developed. The biggest misconception from most people, the average person doesn't know what it means. And they've heard about, you know, slow shipping uh, on the, from wherever, or they hear about uh, trucks and not enough truck drivers, but they don't know much else. So it's about a lot more than shipping and trucks. There are 20 different uh, aspects to supply chain management all of which need to be planned by companies that are doing business with the public. And if they don't, they're not gonna stay in business. And to, to simply shrug their shoulders and say, well, uh, we've got a good supply chain, we're gonna keep doing things the way we always have. It's a new world. You know, I, I spent a lot of time uh, advising emerging industries. And one of the industries I've advised uh, over the years is our shipping industries. And with the, the, uh, the multiple impact of, uh, you know, everybody gets things shipped to their front door now and online uh, distribution and Amazon and all these companies, well, someone's got to ship the boxes. So it took a lot of work behind the scenes working with trucking companies to retool to become distribution centers and fulfillment houses. And so every industry that's part of the supply chain, trucks and ships are part of it too. As you know, a lot of shipping companies have the products assembled at or near the docks as they're shipping so that they can ship in a in as timely manager, thus getting into to one of the aspects of supply chain management, which is called just-in-time delivery. So these are all aspects of business that have been kind of sort of utilized over the years, but we have yet to see supply chain management become a sophisticated uh, management department unto its own, the way total quality management programs and diversity programs and other kinds of, of things have become. So that's something that's going to come out of all this is people will start understanding that there are 20 aspects to it and also have the realization that you can't just stand by you know, uh, and say, well, we have a strategy. You know, having a strategy is easy, but the execution is what's hard. And as you know, I've talked on the show before about strategic planning. It's more than just a uh, having a, a fancy sounding uh, slogan of what you do. You know, it, there's so much more. The devil is in the details and the art and skill of the details is what makes for effective supply chain management. So yes, every business does and should be paying attention to their supply chain management, who they work with, why they work with, who their suppliers and vendors are. And every contributor to the process is part of the supply chain. You know, it's interesting when I step back and think about supply chain, supply chain management, uh, most all of us, uh, just as individuals over the last six months, 12 months, maybe two years because of what happened initially with COVID, uh, we were out of things. We couldn't access things. They were, products, the shelves in the stores were empty. So we became aware of supply chain and, and now supply chain management what industries and products are currently uh, suffering the most because of issues with their supply chain and supply chain management? Uh, believe it or not, cookies. You know, have you, uh, Nabisco, the biggest cookie maker, some of their, some of their most proper, uh, uh, popular brands have been off the shelves, Lorna Dunes and Oreos and, and, so, and because of COVID and all of that, there was more of a demand. Uh, same thing with the toilet paper industry. That's one of the things we all took for granted. But if people were using less uh, toilet paper in the job uh, area, because industrial toilet paper is not the same thing as the, the super quilty 
northern, you know, that, that people use at home. It's companies had to retool their processes to meet with a, a vividly increased demand for that product in the home market rather than in the industrial market. But, and, and there are a lot of other areas, you know, uh, chickens. Part of the problem there with chickens is a lot of the factories closed or should have closed uh, due to COVID. And, and the same thing with the turkeys. But the bigger issue is, it's not just to say, oh, it, it all happened during COVID. No, the toilet paper shortage goes back more than four years. There was that much lack of planning uh, on the and, and lack of, of nurturing crops in the forest. There were companies that were expanding and uh, there are a lot of them that fell through the wayside. Uh, the plant that made the Lorna Dunes, uh, you know, was closed because it closed because of a corporate consolidation measure. And in their infinite wisdom, Nabisco uh, had to wait and retool another factory later. You would have think they would have seen something like that coming. I remember my own work when I worked with uh, Girl Scout cookies after a tainting scandal of product. What I learned was that they have a network of, fa of factories, mostly women-owned businesses that they worked with, and that they prided themselves on not being too dependent upon one supplier or one factory. You would think the biggest cookie maker would think that way. But you then you multiply that by other industries, then you get into cars. You know, the automobile industry is has been saying in their endless marketing that you know people are are coming out of the woodwork and going and traveling more and now it's time. Problem is they had inventories for three, four, five years that they couldn't sell so they produced less cars. Then it was convenient to say, oh, it was just because of COVID. So a lot of these shortages have been coming for years and, and, and the you know, the, the, the tree uh, growing and nurturing industry in forestry takes many years. You don't just pull the plug on certain activities and think you're gonna backpedal. You know, what I hear you saying, there's a common thread obviously in the examples you give me, mismanagement, uh, a, a failure on management to really carefully consider uh, what's being done. And in some cases, as you mentioned, companies fall by the wayside, possibly driven to some part by their poor management of their supply chain. What makes companies stay in business long-term as it relates to the supply chain management in the business? Realizing that they're still in the original business that they went into originally. Uh, and, and a lot of them have changed. They haven't adapted. I have said uh, many times on, on, with you on, on the show that small business, you know, I run into people all the time that I work with people in small business. And by the way, I do supply chain uh, performance reviews and analysis and, and help people develop a supply chain program. Most people don't even know that they need that as part of their strategic plan. But they say all the time, oh, you work with those big guys. Yes, I do. And uh, oh, if we only had their resources, trust me, you don't want to know their politics. It's terrible. And that's not a political politic. I'm talking about their corporate bureaucracy. And the average small business person wears about 10 hats every day, and they get really good at eight of them, which is seven and a half hats more than the average corporate mid-manager even gets their time spent on. So, you know, we're, we, we need to pat small business on the back. Small business has done a yeoman's job of helping the world get uh, back on good footing, get through COVID, move on to the next. But guess what? There, there are other crises that will be looming. And there's always going to be crisis. Next recession's coming in another five years. We'll talk about that another time. You plan and then you work the plan 
And then you think, what could we have done better, which becomes your planning for the next phase. So it, it, the answer is they got a plan, they got to determine where they're going, how they're going to get there. Bigger companies would say, oh, well, everybody knows who we are. No, they don't. I mean, that could apply to the biggest of the big, you know. It's a whole different world for Coca-Cola and, and AT&T and all of them. And as someone who has advised AT&T, you know, they have three five-year cycles where they, they know they need to evolve the company and the technology. They don't just sit there and, you know, wait. <laughs> they keep being very proactive. That's something we need to pat small business on the back for being proactive, being in a, uh, uh, a mode of, of not only making do, but making the future happen. Yeah, every, every day. Well, let's take a quick break here just for a moment and we'll come back and we'll get to that most important issue on every business's mind and that's COVID and the impact that it's had and the impact it will continue to have. So uh, folks, I hope you'll stay with us and we'll continue the interview in just a moment. Second Saturday Divorce Workshop provides unbiased information to help you understand your options and move forward with your life. This divorce workshop is for you if you are contemplating divorce, in the process of divorce, already filed for divorce, or post-divorce. You will explore the emotional, legal, and financial aspects of divorce from professionals who have guided others through divorce. For more information on this divorce workshop, contact SecondSaturdayWoodlands.com or call 832-375-0900. Listen in Mondays at noon to hear Conroe news from local nonprofits, businesses, upcoming events, Conroe Park events, news stories, and information that matters to you with your host, Margie Taylor of Taylorized PR. For more information about being a guest, visit IRLoneStar.com slash Conroe Culture. Hey y'all, it's DJ Mike from Dan Simon, Texas. Join me Monday through Friday at 8 a.m. as I count down the top 10 Texas Red Dirt songs that are packing the dance floor. I'll be featuring local artists and the story behind the hits, shows in the area, as well as new songs that make you want to dance. It's Dance Diamond, Texas with DJ Mike on Lone Star Community Radio 104.5 KCZW and 106.1 KZCC, Conroe, Texas, or online, IRLoneStar.com. Well, ladies and gentlemen, as you may know, we're here having a what I consider a great conversation with Mr. Hank Moore, uh, author, speaker, and so much more to the business world and to the nonprofit world as well. Hank, uh, we were talking about supply chain management, uh, and, and we're going to get into COVID because so many people are concerned about the future. Uh, of what COVID's going to do to us, but supply chain management, give us a little bit more background on that, if you will. Well, as I said, supply chain management is more than just uh, shipping and trucks. The actual parts of it are purchasing, plant operations, logistics, supplier management, which is also known as procurement, uh, uh, the processes, the workflow, the inventory optimization, the preparedness, the physical flow of products, general business strategies, product innovation, quality, uh, next cycle supply chain, economics, and ethics. So any time I've done an analysis of a company, I'll use those barometers and I'll see what they have or haven't done and make recommendations on what they can do in those areas. Typical response is, well, some of that we were doing, but man, you've brought up subject areas that we just hadn't quite gotten to yet. Well, you need to if you want to stay in business. And, and, and part of it is having a plan to deal with all of that. So having a, a crisis management plan uh, you know, the COVID uh, crisis is one thing. A lot of companies didn't have plans for that because 
a lot of it couldn't have been predicted. You know, for a small business, a crisis could be the loss of a key customer. You know, um, it, it could be family issues that tear apart businesses. It, it might be a distribution network falls apart, which is part of supply chain management. It might be that vendor relationships get sour. That's part of supply chain management because everybody in the relationship is part of the supply chain and they all need to be talking and managing on the same page. So there's just a lot to it. And the more you kind of look beyond the obvious, then you're gonna have the strategies to move forward. As I've said before on this show, research tells us that 85% of the time, if you plan for the next crisis, or at least how you're gonna respond to the crisis, how you're gonna handle and work through the crisis, if you do that little bit of planning and preparation, that you will avert the crisis. And again, a crisis is not necessarily a once in a life in a hundred years global academic or a plane hitting a, a, a tower in New York City. For small businesses, they're more down to earth and, and close to the vest. But obviously COVID hit everyone from a point of, of view of a lot of them didn't see it coming. A lot of people, uh, as COVID, in the early parts of COVID, people were going, well, this, this is going to pass after a month or two. And as time went on, people went, oh, this is more and more and more serious. And as people started dying infinitely past what was uh, reported, uh, that became a factor. And a lot of businesses closed. I contend in my professional judgment that probably 25% of those, those businesses, notably some of the restaurants, I mean, you know, the restaurant industry has the highest failure rate uh, of any business, 90% per year. And uh, there are companies who suddenly their business model, there wasn't a, you know, one of the most prominent restaurant chains, uh, Soy Tomatoes fell by the wayside because in a, in a COVID world, uh, having open buffets, <laughs> there went your business model. They didn't prepare to expand further. Had they done it, they would have changed into a more you know, family-friendly restaurant chain that had mass distribution, but they weren't ready to handle it, so they pulled the plug themselves, you know, and, and so, but, but you know, the, the COVID gave everyone an opportunity to, to reach back and think, why are we really in business? Well, you're in business to serve customers. One of the things that I'm most worried about, and I've, I've said, uh, my concerns on the show before on the subject of customer service. Customer service is at an, at an all-time low and, and getting worse, and it has been for a very, very long time. Uh, COVID and its after effects set customer service back in business, not just by two years, but probably longer uh, because suddenly there were not enough workers who were backpedaling and there was a time for the pleasantries. One of the customer service things that fell by the wayside, especially for restaurants, were loyalty programs, uh, which is a topic that I had written about in Big Picture Book Three. Uh, loyalty programs are wonderful, but when you don't have the time or resources to manage them, that gets on the shelf for a while. So I think COVID taught us all to make do with limited resources, to understand that our workforce is a very valuable and changing and fragile thing. Uh, one of the, the things that fell by the wayside in COVID was training. And a lot of this it is getting set back three to five years because of a year and a half of neglect, you know, it's like, I mentioned in an earlier book, the high cost of doing nothing or the high cost of doing not enough. So COVID was a wake up call for a lot of us to think about what was important and family and friends are important and reconnecting. And there are a lot of industries that did grow and thrive during 
COVID, can we say uh, grocery stores, then what reared its ugly head for them were supply chain management issues that kept, you know, Laurentian cookies off the shelves and toilet paper in very, very short supply. You know, one of the things I want to make sure, because I'd be remiss if I didn't, but, you know, in your, in your newest book, uh, you have a chapter on supply chain management, which we've touched on. But one of the things we in small business can do is when you take a book like this and you go to a chapter like that, you've presented just unbelievably complete, thorough checklist, if nothing else, you can call it something else, so that people do think about issues. And this applies to small business. Uh, this is not just big business, as you well know, but a chance to look at issues that will sneak in the back door, literally, and bite the business, and they don't need to. And like you say, you've got to do a little bit of planning. Uh, I try not to scare people on planning because right. small business people run when they hear that word. But oh, I know. Planning is not boring, and, and, but it's important and it's necessary. Well, in your book, you do an excellent job, particularly as, as we're talking today, supply chain management and some other areas. So my encouragement is folks, read that book and look for checklists, even though you think it's big business, it's small business too. And you can take advantage of what they've done wrong and right and make it apply to your business. But enough of that. Let's continue on the, on the COVID thing. You know, one of the big things on people's minds right now is inflation. Uh, it's something we haven't had to deal with for over 10 years, generally speaking. Some areas of business have had to deal with it, but we are looking at, to me, inflation, not so much the rate going up so fast, but it's, in, it's everywhere, it's in everything. What a part of this is really a result of COVID? A large part of it. I mean, you know, uh, one of the biggest increases is uh, rents uh, up to 35% since COVID. And then you get into the, the, the rising cost of gasoline, which affects everything, including deliveries, everything supply chain. Uh, you know, in the early part of COVID, people weren't driving very much, so suddenly the gas was cheap. But as supply and demand continued, uh, then it became a bigger deal. The main thing that business people need to look at in the aftermath of COVID, which we'll still be in for the next uh, year or two, uh, there's a lot of, you know, clean up and fix up and improve and all of that from a societal and from an economy standpoint. Uh, the, so there's some great growth ahead, but we just still got to get through this period. The main thing you want to look at is pass-through costs. Now, pass-through costs are not anything new. In the automobile industry, a lot of people would be surprised to know that $900 of the cost of every new car is spent to cover the advertising and marketing that the automobile maker did. You know, most people in small business cannot pass their marketing and sales expenses. That's just part of the cost of doing business. They can't pass that along automatically to, uh, to consumers. But when you look at how a lot of businesses and, and larger and, and medium-sized businesses were able to do it was they passed along all of their Perel costs, all of their retooling, all of their cleaning of the air systems out and, and upgrading the equipment, all of things that they really needed to be to do anyway, but they a lot of them had the nerve and the gall to pass those along. So what you're you're looking at, the biggest cost of inflation uh, right now is from COVID pass-through costs. And some industries took it to an extreme, uh, not, not on purpose, but the, the healthcare industry, you look at healthcare costs have gone way up, but they had to go through a whole lot of COVID protocol uh, upgrading and updating. And so it's more than just, you know, passing through your cost of, of buying, you know, paper products and, and Perel, but, you know, a lot of other industries that work with 
environmental, that was a growth area. Suddenly there's companies that do uh, carpet cleaning and remodeling and, and, and help people breathe better and breathe more robustly. And a lot of healthcare organizations are, are get, able to provide services. You know, the greatest uh, growing area in healthcare right now is organizations that provide uh, transportation to services, the most profitable industry <laughs> a subset of the healthcare system right now are private ambulances. So there, the opportunities presented themselves, but the public is going, wow, this costs so much more than it did. Is it, is it all cause of COVID? No, but a lot of it is, A, some companies were backpedaling to recover some of their lost costs. And B, some companies are passing through a little more than they should. You know, I, I don't want to say violations of ethics because some of these companies that have, have really capitalized on COVID, they don't have codes of ethics, but that's another subject. Uh, codes of ethics are really, really important. I have a chapter on codes in the book too. Uh, you know, we all need codes. There is another aspect that, and how can I say this very nicely, uh, responsible regulation is needed in more industries right now. Deregulation, uh, what it may have looked like in the 70s and 80s is not the deregulation of today. And, you know, the one of the industries that suffered the most by being deregulated is the trucking industry. And I was advising the trucking industry in the late 1970s to stay regulated because under deregulation, which was forced on them, they had to cut out unprofitable runs to small uh, now we're getting, it always keeps getting back to supply chain management, you know, and, and that's why fewer uh, airlines, um, less competition, deregulation of the airline industry was deadly. And I was saying that 40 years ago, people didn't want to hear it, but it's true. Uh, we really, responsible regulation, and the keyword is responsible, is going to be coming back more and more. Facebook says they want it <laughs> and other people want it for them. Uh, you know, the technology world is generally pretty responsible about being accountable and moving forward. All we got to do is ask them to do it. So I think you're going to see more and more calls for uh, re-regulation of some industries. You know, in, in my mind, the only industries that really benefited from deregulation were banking because that brought us branch banking. That's wonderful. Telecommunications, look at all the innovations. So I'm not saying de deregulation is bad across the board, but that became really obvious during COVID that some of those industries could really stand to, to be regulated when it comes to pricing, pass-through costs, environmental efficacy, all those things that became front of mind during COVID. Well, you know, in most cases, my opinion is we need guardrails, all of us, sometimes as individuals. Hank, all of us do. And that's the mark of professions, even, even professions. The mark of a top professional is the amount of professional development that you get every year, the, the kind of leadership training. And that's the last thing I would add that's going to be an interesting thing to watch. Um, I mean, schools uh, have really been under the gun. And education in some aspects really suffered by not having in-person classroom exposure. But there was something about the Zoom conferences. Zoom came of age during COVID. Zoom had been around since 2004 as a business-to-business -to -business tool, but it got used. And so schools have benefited. The, I, I got to put a pat on the back of schools and parents and communities for coming to the fore, using the technology, and responsibly giving those kids the kind of education 
that was possible during COVID. Now, in, in, as the Zoom comes of age and, and it's being used for more and more business uses and community uses, you're going to start seeing, by the way, I got a chapter on that subject in the book too. Uh, and you're going to start seeing nonprofit organizations do more community town hall meetings, which are opportunities to help raise funds. So, you know, keeping more people in the loop, using the technology and uh, doing it responsibly, that's going to grow uh, because we, our population is growing. Companies can't always catch up. They need the technology and they need the human contact. And it all comes together sometimes by Zoom. Well, there's no doubt about it. Well, I can't thank you enough for joining us today. You've given us a glimpse, in my opinion, of supply chain management. Uh, there's lots more conversation there. Maybe sometime in the future, uh, we can finish that conversation. And definitely want you to come back when the new studios of Lone Star Community Radio, radio, television are open after the first of the year so we can do a whole show. We'll just talk about business and relevant topics and uh, have a good time there in the new studio. It's a great opportunity. Hank, do you have information or something you want to convey? If folks want to reach out to you, uh, learn more about what you do, what's the best way for them to do that? Uh, they can, uh, they can uh, email at, me at hmore at silverfox.org. I'll get a plug-in for our beloved Silver Fox Advisors. You and I are both past presidents of the organization. They can, they can visit my website, www.hankmore.com. And, uh, you know, they do that. They can send an email that way. You know, people can, can, you know, can always go on Amazon and Barnes and Noble and all those places and get the books. If they contact me through the website, they'll get signed copies and, and they can, you know, but because, you know, the books are plentiful. There's a lot of them, but, uh, but it's not just about selling books. It's just sharing kinds of activities and information that really isn't available. I wouldn't have written the supply chain chapter if it existed in other books. It didn't, you know, and some of the other chapters that I've done. The history of the internet, you know, that masters are repurposing. That was just not in other books. So I thought, well, better that I do it from a big picture perspective than someone else. My current project, of course, the, the long-awaited next book, uh, series is pop music legends where we cover every trend in music of the last 140 years. Well, people look forward to that book because that's a fun kind of book to me uh, is to understand our yeah. music and where it came from. Th Hank, thanks. Uh, much success to you and look forward to reconnecting with you in the new year. Bye-bye. Well, I hope you enjoyed that conversation with Hank. Hank's such an enjoyable fellow and such a smart guy. And again, a lot of what he talks about may seem like something for the big companies, for the big businesses, but there's a lot in there that applies to our small business. So if you're inclined to work, to change, to build a more successful business, pay attention to what Hank's saying. And today, the supply chain management, I can't say enough. Take a look at it. You need to. We're going to go to a break. And when we come back on the other side, we're going to have another great guest with us. And that's Heart of the Hustle. Dr. Patrick Woke is going to join us. He's got a great interview this time. So please stay with us and we'll be right back with you. Are you interested in learning more about preparing quick, healthy, and safe meals for your family? Would you like to spend time with others learning tips and tricks, along with practicing and tasting nutritious food? If so, the On the Road to Healthy Living Mobile Cooking School is for you. Call Amy Ressler at Texas A&M AgriLife Extension Service at 936-539-7825 to find a class near you or volunteer to host a class. What is homelessness? Have you seen parents struggle to find a job without having transportation or childcare? What about the children sleeping in cars with nothing to eat? Families shouldn't have to struggle to survive and children should not be homeless. Family Promise of Montgomery County serves the needs of homeless families and their children. Learn about ways you can help and learn about partnership opportunities 
at www.familypromiseofmc.org or call our day center at 936-441-8778. Ladies and gentlemen, you're listening to the Weekly Business Hour. I'm Rick Schisler, your host, and appreciate you staying with us. And now we're going to have a pre-recorded interview that Dr. Patrick Woke, uh, who is the director of the McNair School of Entrepreneurship and Free Enterprise at St. Thomas University, recently had a conversation with Jessica Graham. She's the co-founder of Image 100, a very, very interesting business that she's put together uh, with her partner. And I think their interview will be very enlightening to you, particularly if you're in the early phases of building your business. So please take a listen to Dr. Woke and Jessica Graham of Image 100. Welcome back to Heart of the Hustle here at the University of St. Thomas. My name is Dr. Patrick Wolk, and welcome back for a great another, another episode here at the heart of Houston. We have a great guest uh, guest star today and with our, our friend, Jessica Graham. Jessica, great to see you. Nice to see you as well. Thanks for having me. You, absolutely my pleasure. And you run a great company called Impact 100. Jessica, tell us a little bit about that. I know you're helping women to start businesses. You're out there in the community. Oh, and I just remembered, you, you just got an award from the Houston Business uh, Journal, uh, Women Who Meet Business. And that's this, this week, correct? Yes, I'm very honored to have received um, the Women Who Mean Business mm. Award from Houston Business Journal uh, for my work with the nonprofit. Um, mm. I'm a co-founder of Impact 100 Houston. We're actually a women's collective giving organization, um, so we support nonprofits throughout the community. That's amazing. Now, this is a great organization, and I know you were talking a little bit further about strategic plans, looking out into the future. When you look out two years into the future, what are you seeing as the opportunities? Where do you want to grow with your with your operation, your company? Sure. So um, we just launched in October of 2020, right mm -hmm. in the middle of the pandemic. We our initial goal was 100 members. So every member contributes $1,000. We pool our money together, nonprofits apply, and we give the grants back out. Um, we were really happy with the reception we received in Houston. We have um, 188 founding members, so we raised $188,000. Our goal over time is to grow to at least 500 members, um, hopefully beyond that, but but 500 is our, our initial, uh, our five-year goal. Mm. And we'd also like to potentially add um, an impact grant mm. in there as well to support um, people who are starting nonprofits. But that's all all to be determined um, over time. But um, we just want to keep growing. There's so much need in Houston, um, and there's so many fantastic women who want to be a part of change. Absolutely. And thank you for being a part of that change and really making a big difference in the community. One of the things that always uh, I'm very interested in is like going back to the roots, like where, where you began. So can you talk a little bit about your entrepreneurship roots? I, you had mentioned earlier that you had some like entrepreneurs in your family. Can you talk a little bit about that? Like where, where that, where it started about a little bit about your family? That'd be great. Sure. So um, my grandfather and his brother had a furniture making business mm. off of Washington and Houston mm. um, many, many years ago before Washington was like it is now. Um, and my brother has had a couple of, of businesses that he's started. Um, and after having children, I found that the the nine to five sort of um, in an office didn't mm -hmm. didn't work for me in the same way anymore. Mm -hmm. And a friend and I were talking, and the work that we were able to do um, was less satisfying because it was we were doing consulting and we were doing more um, part time type of work. And you know we wanted to do something more meaningful together, and we started um, a, a children's toys and accessories mm -hmm. company. Actually, so that was our first sort of um, Alex Inman, who's one of the co-founders of Impact 100. Okay. So we started that company a few years ago. Um, we it, it went well. Um, we but we decided ultimately that we weren't passionate about mm -hmm. about that. So um, we sort of continued being friends, but didn't do anything together for a while. And then um, about two years ago, decided to start Impact 100 Houston together. 
Amazing. Now, one of the, the challenges as we all go through as entrepreneurs and starting businesses is the struggles, you know, and we, you know, I've been through many struggles in my life with entrepreneurship. I'd love to know if you don't mind sharing with that. I know sometimes it can be very challenging, but share, share some of the struggles that you've been through in your entrepreneurship life and, and uh, you know, how, you know, if you've overcome them or there have been, you know, things that have been very difficult for you. Sure. I mean, I think for me personally, it's always a question of, um, how motherhood and work fit together. Mm. So, um, you know, I have worked for um, incredible organizations, mm. um, but at the end of the day, I want to be able to pick up my kids as well. So there was two sort of binary choices. Um, well, I want to pause and just say, there's a lot of women that don't have flexibility or the choice. So mm. they're working multiple jobs. They're taking care of their family. Um, I was in a position where I was able to make more of a choice, um, but it wasn't, you know, working nine to five, traveling all the time and having um, somebody else take care of my children mm. um, or just being with my children, right? I really want something that allows both parts of myself mm. to be fulfilled um, and becoming an entrepreneur and stepping out into that area was something that um, Alex and I both agreed might fit for our personalities. Mm. Um, we love work. We love the challenge of work. We're not afraid of taking that first step and maybe getting it over our head sometimes, but problem solving together to, to figure it out. Um, so I think I had done that for nonprofits, but, um, doing that to build something, um, mm. has been really rewarding. Was it a struggle for you leaving a nonprofit where, to be, to be frank, is probably a set job and you knew you were receiving an income and breaking out? Because I, this is like your first or second venture. How was that, that, that transition uh, from, uh, I guess you call it a J-O-B, a job, to creating your own opportunities, creating your own job? Well, I will say I continue to do, I'm very fortunate. I continue to get consulting jobs from previous people I've worked with. Okay. So um, that that has helped stabilize things um, mm -hmm. in the short term. I mean, it's it's definitely crazy to leave a job that is stable mm -hmm. and um, you have that, that paycheck and reliability to start something new, but for some reason I was compelled to do it. <laughs> That's brilliant. Now, now that you've transitioned and really come into yourself as, a, as an entrepreneur, is there any nuggets of wisdom? Like I always say these golden nuggets that we get that have kind of refined and kind of like really come to you in your life that you would like want to share with our audience? Um, I think for me, it's just taking that first step. Mm -hmm. It's so intimidating to think about walking away from something that's stable or you can rely on, um, and, and going out, but, mm -hmm. but taking that first step is always, once you do it, um, you can always change and refine. But mm -hmm. I think sometimes we get so stuck on our heads and having the perfect plan, um, and making sure that we don't mess up. But in reality, you can take that step and you can always go back to a more stable job or you can always refine what you're doing going forward. But um, but nobody else is going to take that step for you. I, I absolutely agree and 100 percent agree. Well, uh, thank you very much for tuning in today to the Heart of the Hustle. We absolutely a pleasure having you today. And uh, we look forward to seeing you at the next Heart of the Hustle. And a new episode, our new part of our Heart of the Hustle is our speed round today. And Jessica is our first victim, I mean guest in the speed round. Jessica, it's good to see you again. You as well. So you talk about work-life balance. What does that mean to you? I, I don't know, but I'll let you know when I figure it out. I mean, I think for me, um, I, I really love work. And yeah. I, I enjoy the challenge of um, running an organization and um, figuring things out and there's always new problems and nothing's routine. Um, but I also want to pick my kids up after school. Um, that doesn't mean I won't work after I pick them up or at night or on the weekends, just because I, I really do enjoy working. Um, but for me, I, I want, um, I want both of those things. Um, there's a moment after school pickup where I can really tell how their day was. So picking up your children, what is that like? <laughs> It is not exciting. It is a lot of carrying backpacks. It is a lot of, um, I mean, really, it's just about kind of observing them and, and understanding how their day was and, and what's going on in their, in their universe. Um, they'll be either happy or sad or tired or whatever, but it gives me insight that I feel like I missed when I was traveling all the time and I was unable to, to be there. What's the craziest thing your kids have ever said to you?
I not, so this isn't to me, but we were at a store one time and my daughter walked up to a random man and said, we're all going to die one day. Wow. <laughs> well, that's our speed round. Thank you very much for joining us at the Heart of the Hustle. Well, I hope you enjoyed that uh, interview that Dr. Woke had. I think that's an interesting model that uh, Jessica, Miss Graham, has developed with her founder in trying to give back and help our nonprofit sector using for-profit businesses to directly fund the development of nonprofit businesses here in the greater Houston area. I tip my hat to them. I think nonprofits are a very important part of the business world that we all live and work in. Again, I encourage you, if you've got a question, you want to share it, you've got an observation and a question about your own business, drop it in to the email, rick at irlonestar.com. And who knows, you may make the mailbag and on a future show, I'll answer your question on the air. In the meantime, please stay with us. We're going to take our final break of the show and we come back. We're kind of got a couple minutes and we're going to kind of wind things up. You're listening to the Weekly Business Hour. Please stay with us. The Texas A&M AgriLife Extension Service has been dedicated to educating Texans for over a century. In 1915, the Extension Program was established under the federal Smith-Lever Act to deliver university knowledge and agricultural research findings directly to the people. Ever since, AgriLife Extension Programs have addressed the emerging issues of the day, serving diverse populations across the state. Texans turn to Extension for solutions in horticulture, agriculture, 4-H and Youth, and Family and Consumer Sciences. Extension agents respond not only with answers, but also with resources and services that result in significant returns on investment to boost the economy. Join us Fridays at 1 o'clock for the AgriLife Extension Hour. Hey, this is Wayne Green, your host for Radio Wayne, Spoke and More. Each Saturday from 5 to 7 p.m., I'll be playing folk, singer-songwriter, Americana, blues, bluegrass, classic country, Cajun zydeco, Celtic swing, and whatever else seems to fit. Once again, that's Radio Wayne's Folk and More, every Saturday from 5 to 7 p.m. on Lone Star Community Radio. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. This is the final segment of the show as we kind of wind things up. Again, I hope you enjoyed our special guest that we had today, our conversation with Hank Moore about his new book, uh, The Big Picture Books of Business. This is book four. I encourage you to check it out. It's on Amazon and many other sources. Uh, it's a great book. I've read through it and encourage you to take a look at it. And also thank you to Dr. Patrick Woke and uh, the University of St. Thomas for providing us what I thought was a very enlightening, educational interview that he had with Miss Jessica Graham at Image 100. Well, as we wind things down, the show down today, I want to remind you that you too, if you're a local business owner here in the Montgomery County area particularly, you can sponsor the show. Lone Star Community Radio, which hosts our show, it's a nonprofit, it's community radio, it's good for the community, it encourages all parts of the community to participate. By supporting our show as a sponsor, you'll be supporting community radio right here in Montgomery County. Also, look for the opening of the new studios. This is something I've been talking about for a couple months. Uh, later this month, the month of November, they'll be opening those new studios up and uh, they say it's gonna be kind of a soft opening. They're adding equipment capabilities, including a television station where they can live stream television out on the television, the internet, as well as we do on the radio and FM and internet. So Lone Star Community Radio has got a brand new built from the ground up studios for radio and television coming soon. Well, I thank you so much for joining us today. I hope you enjoyed the program. I hope you were educated. And most importantly, as I said at the beginning of the show, I hope you picked up an idea or a tip that you might be able to use in your business today. We're here to help you build successful businesses for you and your family. Until next week, as I always like to tell people, focus on what's important in your business and stay focused on it. Till next week, thank you, and we'll see you next Monday 
at 11 o'clock right here on Lone Star Community Radio.